woke up this morning with the sundown shining in him. Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the f***ing money, head? Oh, it's, uh, oh, oh, it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. I found my mind in a brown paper bag, but then... 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hello, welcome back, Stats and Jacks. I'm Tim Out. Eliani on the board. SP futures are down 34.25. After a big down move yesterday, as that futures down 176. We were we're on Wednesday, and Monday we were up. I could not, I could not figure out why we were up on Monday. And it turns out yesterday mm, we had just cause just cause. And then, uh, <laughs> yesterday we had a uh, the Fed uh, Brainerd, the lady who's uh, on the governing board, and she's also going to be she's Biden's nominee for the new uh, vice chair. I saw. I actually did see that while I was yeah. away. And she came out and said they're going to have to be way more aggressive and cut down the balance sheet quicker and the usual this, things. Yeah, except this, really, Annie, I can't, I can't, I can't go with the I be gonna. There's only there's only so long before you. You talk about the upcoming basketball game before you lace them up and get on the court. I mean, these guys have been talking about this for for a long time, and they're still talking. Now they're talking the May meeting. Okay, well, it's, it's, you, know, you know, I kind of feel like these kinds of conversations will continue for as long as there's construction on two ninety or ninety four. Um, It'll yeah. just never end. <laughs> do we have Mr. Kevin? We do. You do. How are you? Yes. We uh, yeah, Kevin. I, I know this. I mean, I know I, I constantly uh, rant about this a little bit, but. What's what's the beauty of the main meeting? Just do something. I mean the you know the the what the overnight rate or the one month rate is point one eight. Talking about inflation rate of ten percent, and you're you're at point one eight. You're you're not even close. I mean there there are guys on TV yesterday, Cooperman and a few other people saying you're not even in the same planet. He's, he's the, la- the last time inflation was eight percent, interest rates were like seven or eight or ten. Or it's, it's not even now they're they're you know they're, they're talking about maybe going to one. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't even know. They're, it's like they're not, you know, they're really on Mars or, or Venus or someplace. Just saying. Well, yeah, you know, look, I've seen lots of dysfunctional organizations that have this incredible habit of um, of having all kinds of meetings and never doing anything out of it. So, um Let's, let's see. What's the nicest word I can uh, come up with? The, the meetings are just a taffy pull. Yeah, yeah. They really. I. I, I don't. Uh, and, and what's happening? I'm gonna. I'm gonna assume they didn't make a mistake because I'm. I'm. I'm absolutely frosted by this, Kevin. I've been for for as long as I've been doing the show. I, once in a while, I don't be right about it because there's really nothing I can do about it. This constant movement towards uh, concentration in retail. And uh, and you know to the point where in some areas you've got one or two stores, and it was to me it was very obvious that uh, when this inflation started and the you know the COVID and all this other kind of stuff, and you saw the stock prices of Lowe's and Home Depot really run way ahead of even the Amazons in terms of and the WalMarts and the Krogers and all those people. You know everybody's doing pretty good with this rally. They ran way ahead, and it kind of struck me as, as the market. Of course, nothing bothers me more than somebody saying that the market's telling you this when when that's what they think the market's telling you. So I'm going to do that. So I'm going to get all myself here in a second. But uh, it seemed to me that the market was indicating, or something was indicating,
indicating that these guys actually had more pricing power than a general retailer. And, you know, I couldn't prove it, but I could, I could sort of sense it. I mean, there's not really, there's still some people that go to the hardware stores and there's still hardware stores around, but they're nowhere near, there aren't very many, uh, you know, Fox's Lumbers around in some of the smaller towns and so forth. You might get a competitor someplace. So last week I buzzed into the, the Home Depot out in Homer Glen and they're usually, you know, they're nice in there. And, uh, I just need a few bulbs, right? So, I'm in the bulb aisle. I'm, I'm talking about special bulbs, like, like appliance bulbs, so, because the microwave stuff went out in my building. So I grab a few of these bulbs, and I'm thinking, oh, that's, a little, that's, a little, that's a little rich for an incandescent 40-watt bulb. It was like, I thought it was 5 bucks. Well, it turns out I looked at my receipt last night before I said something on the air. I want to make sure it's 8 bucks. Now, you know, retail in, in my day, Kevin, used to be you kind of doubled everything, and maybe if you get away with it, you were two and a half times on the small items or something. Uh, so I'm thinking, there must be some kind of wacky shortage. They must be made in some plant in, you know, Bosnia or someplace. And, uh, sure enough, I go online, there's 18 different places that are offering all you want for a buck and a quarter. And these are $8. So it's absolutely, so my, my worst fears have been realized. Well, you know, that's, that's, Tom, that's totally the uh, price of oil built in. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Truck. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so, you know what? That, that is built into it, but nevertheless, that's not. It's obviously, if it's not that many dollars worth. But I immediately smelled a rat when it, when it wasn't. Uh, uh, they had a uh, uh, LED. Not LED. Uh, what you, what's the, the, the normal? Not the not the floor. The LED. I think it was an LED, right? Uh, and the uh, but it wasn't dimmable. And the, these microwaves, there's a there's a you know a uh, whatever. There's a high setting and a low setting. So I guess that's a dimmer. Probably. Anyway, so I didn't get them. But I mean, I could, I, I'm used to paying up for those because they last forever. But I'm thinking, this is an incandescent bulb. What, what, what is this thing doing this expensive? And I, I just assumed there was a reason for it. Well, yeah, there's a reason for it. Home Depot could do it. I mean, so that bulb's costing them, if they're selling for a buck twenty-five online, the cost of the damn thing is 75 cents, right? 80 cents. So they're, they're 10 times? That's a little rich. That, you know, that, that's, that's gouging. I mean, just because you're there. Now, I I could have got my fat behind in the car and went over to Menards, and maybe they would have been four bucks at Menards. I mean, I could have looked around, but I said, you know what, I'm not going to drive halfway across town to maybe save two bucks. But next time I will. I mean, now I'm going to, every bulb I use in the building, I'm going to go online, I'm going to order ten of them. So I have them. You know, I'm, I'll never buy another one there. I mean, there, there's a, a point in which you got to say enough, Kevin. I mean, and I, I think you're seeing it everywhere. I really do. Just saying. Well, I, I, I think so, and I think you have to you have to look at um, at business practices in general, and you know I, I think that's really important um, because some businesses are, are seizing the moment, some are just you know they may be trying to uh, recover a lot of the damage of the last few years and and you know trying to gra- uh, you know uh, grab what they can when they can. I, I sort of understand that. You know, trying to get back on their feet, and some recognize the value of having you as a customer for life. Um, I, I just had an experience as a, a business over here is Oldman Tire, and I, I just love the business. Um, I, but I had set up an appointment to go uh, put new tires on the car yesterday morning, and it turns out they were stocked out, which is a shame. You know, and they said, "Just come back this afternoon; we'll have some over here by then." I got back there in the afternoon, and they still weren't there, so they said, well, we'll give you a more expensive tire for the same price. You know, 
I, I have you know probably five stories about Solomon like that over the years. Um, but this was this was not the store manager making that call. This was the guy at the front desk. They operate. They they uh, they value repeat business. They um, you know they they like their customers. I actually have met and talked to Nate Zolman a few times, who runs the place, and uh, and and they exist to keep you coming back as much as they exist to squeeze out what they can. They're more than uh, more than they exist to squeeze out what they can, selling me these four tires. So it's you know there's a mindset that goes with it, and it tells you a lot about the business when you see this stuff, um, and it tells you what they think of you. So you know I, I I would encourage our listeners to you know think of the business in those terms, not and not they're gouging me, not that they're it's they they don't like me. You know that's yeah. what they're really saying is we don't like you. We're not you know and, and we're gonna we're gonna try and get over on you whenever we can. Well, but it's it's been retail forever, and we. Had one class on this in grad school. It wasn't much of a class, but the guy would just um, just talked about uh, research in stores and something. And Annie seems like she knows more about this than me. But there's different spots in the store, especially if, if you're attacking. Well, uh, this is back in the day uh, when you were attacking the, the the male shopper versus the female shopper. And uh, you know, it, it sounds sexist, but people, when it comes to business, people will will. And they said at that time. You know, the ladies who shopped knew what they were looking for and, and went in and did their stuff. But the male shopper was much more impulse. And, and what you wanted for him is right next to the cashier, if he's waiting for a second, you have to have you have to have stuff there that w- would be attractive, appealing, maybe snacks, maybe something like that. But the last thing you throw into the basket or two, that though usually the, the prices on those were there were higher margin than the stuff in the rest of the store. And there's, there's an actual, there's a total science to it. I mean, I mean, in that part I get. And, I, and I've known like for a long time that if you go, if you're going to retile your kitchen, people will, will spend hours uh, trying to find the best, cheapest tile, and, and then totally forget that the, that they're paying more for the grout and the glue than they are for the tile. In some cases, I mean, I mean that's just human nature. You assume that somehow or another that that stuff's the same everywhere, and it's not. And when, in fact, I'm, I'm going I'm to say that the uh, uh, margin on the glue is way more than it is on the tile itself, because the tile is somewhat competitive, and the glue we just thinks is a throw-in, right? It's like you're, you're, you're going to advertise your two by fours; you're not going to advertise the nails. So I'm going to guess your markup on the nails is more. But the point, Kevin, is there's this there's this uh, combination of concentration, big you know, bigness and concentration. Other people being out of business, one one or two stores in town. This is all coming together at a time when prices are going up, when the Fed is basically bleeped up in my mind tremendously, because they they essentially uh, have a different leader than the rest of us. I mean, they don't. They, you, you if you uh, I think if you want to hear the difference between regular person economics and one percent or economics, all you have to do is listen to CNBC all day. But it's not like those people are dumb. They're not. They're actually they're very bright, and uh, some of them have some pretty good stocks they find. So it's not like I don't learn from them. But the difference is, they they never mention things that that affect pricing increases that affect people below their station. You'd never hear yeah, anybody. Another way I heard it, uh, it uh, voiced this week, and uh, it, may, it might have been on Stocks and Jocks, is that the the people who are causing inflation are the ones. Who are least affected by it? Right. 
without a doubt. And uh, but just as when you think about the people we we elect, I came in, turned the TV on, and there's this lady actually, Joe Kernan did one hell of a job. <laughs> Joe can be hot and cold, but he had some. Uh, I'm sure she was a dem uh, lady congresswoman on there, and she's ranting about the oil companies and how uh, they have they they paid bonuses, they bought stock back, and they didn't pour money back into production. And now we're stuck and gas prices are going up and there should be an excess profits tax because those guys, instead of uh, producing more oil, decided to, uh, uh, you know, pay themselves instead, which I'm sure they do pay themselves. I mean, the big ones here in this country are, are pretty much of a, well, in some, in some areas, oil is amazingly competitive. Some areas it's not. Okay. But, but some it is, some it isn't. Distribution system, probably not. The refineries, probably not. Gas stations, maybe not. Uh, but maybe so. I mean, in some areas, you got five gas stations, and I'm saying it's it's a very complicated business to to analyze. So so Joe Kernan pulls out. I'll give him his kudos. He pulls out um, one of the guys they have on there all the time is the head of Chevron. Not all the time. He comes on you know once every couple of months. Um, and he uh, and when he was in front of the congressman, they had three or four congressmen. And Joe's reading the testimony, and they're just scalding this guy because every other major oil company in the world and in Europe has cut back on oil bowing to the pressure that, that we wanted we don't want to use we don't want to use any oil anymore and Chevron was the only one who raised the oil prices and they're and they're just eviscerating this guy. So he's reading the testimony of this lady, I'll say this for her, she never barked. She never even blinked. <laughs> she just kept telling her story like like the other one never existed. Kevin, I gotta get like that. I, I, I have to get like I gotta, what do they call it? Like water off a duck's back? I, I, somehow I, I got to entertain that in my personality where no matter how bad I, I sound and somebody totally proves me wrong, I don't even flinch. I just keep going. Trump had that ability. Ronald Reagan had that ability. I got to get it. I, I don't have it. Dan, Dan Aykroyd had a character <coughs> that uh, sold dangerous toys. You yeah, know, I remember, I remember that. that. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah. Er, Erwin Mayway. He'd just sit there and lie, and it was great. <laughs> yeah, and it didn't matter. What, what did he have? The one toy that had the... The little the, the nails in with the in with the Lincoln logs or something. Oh, ba- well, they had bagel glass. Yeah, uh, they had uh, the Johnny Switchblade action figure. Elliot <laughs> uh, is before hey. your time. This, this, this thing was a riot. <laughs> we imagine, uh, and, and, and yeah, he he would just sit there and you know like, well, what's the problem? With <laughs> <laughs> absolutely deadpan face. I mean, this, this lady, she never flinched. I. I, I could never do that. If, if, I mean, you know, if, if I'm sitting here talking about something on the show, and once in a while I screw it up, and one, all of a sudden we get a tweet, and Maddie goes, hey, you're, you're way off on that one. The first thing I say is, hey, I'm way off on this one. I mean, I, that's why I could never be a politician. These guys, they don't. Yeah, and I'll keep those tweets coming in for you, Tom. Well, that's, you know, that's okay. Hey, speaking <laughs> of which, um, I was having trouble yesterday. I'm trying to, I talk all the time about people's uh, uh, median income. And I was finding all kinds of places yesterday. I sent it to you, Kevin. What is? How come some group is in the forties and some is in the thirties? You have any idea? You know what? What the difference no. is? The the numbers that that I quote when I say people's median income is thirty six, thirty seven thousand. Um, that that is from the uh, uh, Federal Reserve, right? And that's what's that's what <clears throat> that's what's picked up on the uh, the debtclock dot org. That's from the uh, FRED, which is the Federal whatever the hell it is. Now the other one is this outfit called uh, um, whatever they are. They're uh, well, one of them is household income, but there's another one that has your median income 
and they're they're like in the forty six range, Kevin. And it, it's but you know what? There's nobody in between. There's there's a group that has it at forty six, a couple of groups. And well, it's a median income for individuals and median yeah. income for families. Or is you know maybe there's something like that. Um, well, no, now but now it's getting harder and harder to find. If if you go back in time, it's hard to find the median incomes for individuals because they just keep the household. But one of the things we were mentioning on the show the other day with Nancy, our mortgage lady, uh, is that when 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 you say okay, it takes this much money to uh, get a mortgage in a house, what, you know what people have done, which we know, and Carl's talked about it. We it's not like we don't all know, is in the last forty years. We've had to go to two-income households to essentially make ends meet, uh, right, Kevin? I mean, it's but in uh, it actually makes things more risky because the last thing you want, um, in terms of statistics, is they have two people working, neither of which can carry the house by themselves, because your your chances of being in trouble essentially double, right, Kevin? They're not they're not half; they're double. The uh, yeah, depending on the occupations and so on, yes, it increases because you, you can, you know, your chances of one of two being knocked out is probably higher than your chance of, you know, it's more devastating if you only have, uh, rely on one and, uh, and, and that gets taken out. But, uh, but it doesn't matter. Your chances of being in trouble, uh, are, are greater when you have two. So yes, I'm, I'm just kind of running through the stats in my mind here, through the math in my mind. So I mean, it's a, uh, when, when this, but what is happening in the economy is starting to happen. It, I really, I really don't get the idea that, that some people will say, "Keep buying this stock, that stock." I mean, there's going to be some stocks that uh, are in the right place pricing wise. Whenever somebody says uh, they've managed to maintain or increase their margins, what they're telling you is they're raising prices. I mean, can we get can we get more south side with the way we talk about things, Kevin? We're raising prices. Are you well, yeah, and when it comes to a store, you really have to be able to drill into, you know, uh, the unit sales. So let's just say... And the unit sales per visit to the store and, all, you know, all of those kinds of things, which they all know and I suspect is kind of buried in their uh, annual report somewhere, but, yeah, but you have to read the whole thing cover to cover. Well, let's say uh, we have somebody... Let's pick Eliani, for instance. Uh, let's say um, that she's an umbrella salesman in the train station. Mm. And uh, she sees this little thing in the bottom of my machine here that says, rain coming. So Eliani is no dummy, so she raises the prices of the umbrellas. Now, is she A, gouging, B, uh, is it part of inflation, or C, is she increasing the margin? Just being an opportunist. Or for I would say she's enterprising. Yes, there yeah. you go. Because I think you're also it's it's kind of you're comparing Home Depot to someone selling like water bottles at the, at the fucking Sox game, you know. So like it's it's really different, and also like shopping online, like a lot of like because I used to work in, I used to do sales, like I used to I used to work in a music store. I was working at Sam Ash as a, as a guitar salesman, and I also was I managed like the band and orchestra department because I was a nerd in high school, and that's what I did. And um, you know everything's commissions based because you're not just paying people salaries; you also have to make commissions. So commissions come from sales. And you don't have to worry about that much, on, that as much online, if if at all, in some places. Like with, like you don't have to worry about commissions with Amazon. You just, unless you're a seller, like you're like a private seller. But you know, Amazon doesn't necessarily oversee that. You're not getting paid by Amazon. You're getting paid by the consumer directly. Um. So it's it it is. Yeah, a, Amazon's just cutting into your sale. Yeah, they're cutting into your sale, but they're not. You're, you know, they're not, they're not paying you though. Right. Um, well, uh, let's, go, let's get back to the part about the. 
the nerd in high school, was there some sort of a denerding process or cover up or what is this? Oh no, my 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 nerd dumb thankfully didn't uh, didn't affect me negatively. I actually had quite a really awesome high school experience. Um, I was one of the one of the popular kids, you know. So well, there you go. Yeah, I worked out. Yeah, I, did, I mean, because I, I did theater and sports and all kinds of stuff. I was pretty active in school because you know home life wasn't good. So I, any any excuse to be at school and be good at something, I I took it. You know. Well, that's not a bad thing. Uh, hey, I got a. We have a uh, email here from one of our faithful listeners. Hmm. Who, who, by the way, I love to argue with once in a while. He's an engineer hmm. kind of guy, so you can always you can always argue with engineer guys. <laughs> um, he's talking about Amazon. I'm gonna, I'll read this. It's very short, but I'll read this whole thing. Sure. And uh, and you guys tell me from an economic sphere and, and what I always talk about. What's what's wrong with this whole picture? So he's talking about Amazon dot com union contract. Now, of course, everybody right. everybody's against unions. We don't know why. Uh, I'll, I'll set this up, and then we'll talk about it after break. Sure. Uh, revenue per employee last year was two hundred ninety-two thousand bucks. Okay. Okay. So profit per employee last year was twenty thousand bucks. All right. Now profit per em- uh, per employee per hour is ten dollars an hour. So if you gave every employee ten dollar an hour raise, then Amazon would make nothing. All right. So I'm sure since he is an engineer kind of guy, that the math here is correct. Uh, but question is, is it complete? And I'm going to say it probably isn't complete, because the the, the I think that well, you guys can opine after the break. But and, and the problem is, nobody should be big enough to do this kind of dictation. I mean, you should be what what you what you pay an employee, you should be able to. This is sound terrible. You should get as much profit or or, or uh, benefit out of an employee as somebody else gets. These aren't these aren't the if some you know in other words if you want to steal an employee from somebody else and he's getting paid twenty five hours or an hour over there you better have a setup to where this person male or female is worth more than twenty five hours an hour to you sure if you don't that's your problem you can't just say well I I can pay ten therefore it should be ten well that's that's great people in hell want ice water I mean the fact is you need to be able to pay somebody uh, enough. To, because, because the marginal benefit of that, how's this for a labor economics? The marginal benefit of an hour's work from that person is worth more to you than the going rate. You don't get to set the going rate. That that's the part that, if if you're alive in this world in the last twenty years, you think these big firms get to set the rate. You're not. You don't. You know, the, a farmer doesn't get to set the price of corn, right? Because it's a, it's, yeah. a, it's a competitive. It's a competitive industry. We just don't have we don't have we don't have hardly any competitive industries to the point where people don't even. I mean, a, a barber doesn't get to set the rate or a beautician. What does a beautician charge? I don't know. Well, actually, they they do. Well, they, um, but I mean, they can't be so far off that that you go right down a block. There's enough around. Well, there's always room for error too, and there's also there's you'd be surprised how much how depending on like if if you're doing like. It, it does. It is very contingent on the size of your business. Like if you're a massive conglomerate, then yeah, you you don't have much say. But if you're a you know a, a small beauty store, yeah, you have pretty much all of the say. You just have to make sure that whatever you're charging matches the cost of living in the city you live in, because you don't want to be outrageous and piss people off. But uh, we should get into this a bit more once we yep. get back from the break. SP futures down. We're going to talk about SP futures getting their ass kicked down forty one. NASDAQ futures down two twenty five. I'll be right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freaks guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. 
Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation of the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding health care reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630 401 8810 or search us on the web at cognoshr.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom Eliani on the board. SP Futures down 3850. SDF Futures down 210. This is two days in a row of this. Dow Futures down 213. Individual stacks. Virtually everybody is down. Matter of fact, every, well, I got Chevron Texaco is up because oil's up. Uh, but I got Salesforce down 374. I've got United Healthcare down 376. Uh, Visa down uh, 233. We got, uh, one of the biggest moves up. Uh, Caterpillar down, uh, Buck twenty seven, like I say, they're they're pretty much all down. Uh, Microsoft is down uh, five sixty. It's probably the biggest uh, mover, but the, everything's down in there. Transportation average has been down, pushing ten percent in the last week and a half. That's the one. I'm not a big Dow theorist, but I've been looking at that one, and that that's really ugly, and it's uh, kind of making me nervous a little bit. Uh, Renasia, we've got the Nikkei down four thirty seven, one point six percent. Shanghai uh, 
Uh, they they just reopened. They've been closed for like four days, so they're they're on change, which is a little little interesting. Uh, Hang Seng down four twenty one. That's almost two percent. The uh, we're in Europe. We've got uh, the DAX down two forty seven one point seven. Putsy not very much down twenty four. It's point three three. Kick around down one twenty. That's one point eight. So the Footsie's hanging in there. We've got bonds two point six two. Huge run up. Huge run up. Uh, ten years. So that means the bonds are falling. The bonds, bonds are collapsing now for a couple of days. Um, actually, I'm on that trade a little bit for my clients. So uh, I don't know if it's good for everybody else, but it's good for some of my guys this week. Uh, bond up four basis points. Point six six. Remember the years we spent below zero, not anymore. Japan actually up two to point two three. It's the first move they've had in a while. Yesterday we were up in the morning, and all of a sudden we absolutely collapsed on a couple of these Fed statements. Uh, Dow down two eighty, but that wasn't a big one. Uh, S and P down fifty seven. It's one point three percent, but the Nasdaq was down three twenty eight, two point three. All the stocks that were up on Monday were collapsing down yesterday. So very strange. Uh, oil up a buck forty six one hundred three forty two. Brand up a dollar sixteen one oh seven eighty. Natural gas up twenty one cents six point two four. Arbab up three cents three nineteen. Gold uh down five ten nineteen twenty two because the interest rate started flying down. Gold actually was up yesterday and it turned around the other way. Silver down twenty five cents twenty four twenty eight. Copper down three cents four seventy five. And crypto is down a thousand bucks to forty four thousand nine one four. This is Bitcoin. And there's a huge Bitcoin convention down in Florida. Kevin, I'd love to just see the, the people show there has got to be special, isn't it? Anyway, Eliani, what do you got for us? Traffic, weather, sports. Thanks, Chief. Good morning, everyone. Currently 6.37 a.m. on already April 6th. Uh, let's start with sports. Um, pretty quick report. Uh, in the NBA, Bulls lost to the Bucks last night, 106 to 127, and the Suns beat the Lakers last night, 121 to 110. Looking at weather in Chicago today, another rainy, gloomy day, unlike my time in Portland. <laughs> yeah. Expect a high of 56, low of 48 today in Chicago and Phoenix. Currently incredibly sunny, those bastards. 69 degrees with a high of 94 and a low of 64. Busy morning on the roads this morning in Chicago. We have traffic eastbound on 290 between Highway 45 and Central. We have traffic northbound on 294 between the I-20 connector and the 55 north ramp with an accident to report at the uh, 55 south ramp exit. Uh, we have traffic on 294. I'm sorry, we have an accident uh, southbound on 294 between 100 and 11th. Uh, we have traffic eastbound on I-90 between the 294 North Tri-State Ramp and Lawrence. Traffic eastbound on 94 at West North Avenue and Canalport uh, with some police activity to report at Morgan Street, which is causing the right lane closure there at that point. So be mindful of that. We have traffic westbound on 94 between Dalton and East Ohio. Traffic northbound on 55 between Route 171 and South Damon. And we have finally traffic southbound on uh, Highway 57 between 119th and the 94 East Ramp. Uh, there is a bridge maintenance notice for the city of Chicago April 6th. Testing and maintenance of the bridge over the Chicago River is scheduled to close Washington Street from Canal to Wacker from 9.30 a.m. until 2.30 p.m. today. So be mindful of that driving around downtown. And that's all I have for you, Chief. Be mindful of it. If you if you go straight, you run into it. It's up, you know. Hence, be mindful of it. Be mindful. Of it. <laughs> it's not like not like in the Blues Brothers where they was going halfway up and they managed to, to leap it, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, Kevin, uh, the uh, well, before we get away with that, uh, um, you mentioned uh, Portland. Huh. You know that uh, in the summer, people in Portland don't tan; they rust. Oh um, yes, that is true. But there is a really my my sister. So I went to go visit my sister in Portland, and. Uh, she was. She took me to. Oh my god, I can't remember the name of the beach. But she took me to this beach, and we went to this place called Moe's, and I had really, really, really amazing um, halibut 
fish and chips, which I, you know, I've never really had halibut before, especially fried. So that was really nice. It was it was nice to get away. I was supposed to be back on on Monday, then my my flight got delayed, and um, I got back uh, yesterday morning at like six in the morning. But um, it was really lovely. I loved it. One of the ladies here. Uh, okay, nice time. Well, oh yeah. One of the ladies here. Uh, well, she's a works with the NFO group. Mm. She's down to see a new client in Florida, and it was one of the days you, you fly in and you fly out. Yeah. Except the fly out part didn't work so hard. They had, was there weather on the East Coast or something? <laughs> she's supposed to fly back Friday night. She couldn't didn't fly back till Sunday. Oh yeah. And and there were, all the hotels were full. She had to go to some place. So the good news was, or the bad news was, the, t- the hotel was like six miles away. The bad news or the good news was. So she had packed nothing. The, the hotel was attached to a mall. So she was able to at least buy the stuff she needed to hang for two days. Yeah. Well, the thing about Portland too is that like, because it's, it's quite hilly. And so unlike Chicago, like, they, they don't, they don't have like a means to like salt the streets for like snow. So if it's like snows or rains like a little bit, it's like a, everyone has a, like a full on meltdown. Um, so there was a, a little bit of a, of a storm warning in, in Portland, um, on the way. And there was a, some rain coming into Chicago, like probably an hour out from O'Hare. But, um, yeah, if it rains like a little bit, people freak out. So, oh. <laughs> yeah. I still remember I, we, we flew back from, uh, went down and did a, a speech at, actually at Ohio State. Yeah. Was doing some stuff on, uh, you know, there was their, uh, their endowment plant. So I went down and talked to them about uh, using options in their endowment plan and stuff. Mm. So I, f- I fly back. This is my. This is this is not a sexist comment. This is just the truth. <laughs> I'm flying back, and this Kevin, which he said right before making the sexist. Well, comment. no, I'm just people say no offense. Oh, but I know, yeah, no <laughs> offense, but or quite frankly, and then tell you a lie. Uh, <laughs> but the, uh, the flight's coming back, and I don't think I haven't flown much lately. But do they still let you listen in on the, on the cockpit conversation? I don't think they do. Do they? What do you mean, listen in on the cockpit so. conversation? You used to be able to pick it up, and on Channel 5, you'd hear the, the pilot talking to the uh, tower. I never knew that was even a privilege that oh, people God, yeah. had at one point. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it was, was kind of cool. Yeah, it was really neat. That's nifty. So <laughs> <laughs> Nifty. How old am I? <laughs> yeah. So, so we're flying back, and I didn't, you, you go to, uh, I think, Kevin, you get you get tossed from, uh, is it Cleveland Tower when you leave Columbus? Maybe it's Cleveland. Then you go to someplace else. Is it to, Toledo or I don't or maybe your Toledo Tower, and you get kicked off to somewhere else. Uh, and then the last one is you, you, it's O'Hare Tower. So it's the big, the big towers in Aurora, right? So you go from Toledo Tower to Aurora Tower, and then you go to O'Hare Tower. So it's pouring. I mean, it's 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 you know you you look out and uh, the, the, we were like United four thirty three or something something, and we got a lady pilot. Not that it made any difference. And uh, so they're going uh, ah, United four thirty three. You know. Uh, Drop to, to fifteen thousand and hold uh, three hundred, whatever it's three hundred something something, and uh, so we're in line, and all of a sudden <laughs> the pilot goes, "You know it's pouring up here. Uh, can we slow down?" <laughs> and the guy goes, "You can slow down all you want. Just get out of the pattern. Go circle for a while somewhere where you feel like landed. Call me back." <laughs> like, really? <laughs> so she, he's bitching back at her about. He goes, and she goes, hey, "United four three three request permission." He goes. If you don't want to stay in line, if you can't go as fast as everybody else, just get out of line. I'm sitting there going, this, guy, this guy's scolding my pilot. <laughs> yeah, and you're and you're saying to yourself, no, don't get out of line. I, I would like to land. I would like to land. I mean, it, yeah. I, plus, I mean, I, I don't know how much difference it is when it's raining. If, rain if you're flying those things, tell you what, if you look out the window though, they got the, enough lights. It was pouring. Yeah. And uh, it is really scary to. Fl- I mean, here's the thing. Like, I I usually so like I had. It was a couple of weeks ago where I was driving. I was driving from a show in um, 
in Michigan. We played for some like you know bougie ski resort, something some other. Anyway, we were driving. We were driving. Actually, driving in rather. Sorry, it was it started pouring like suddenly out of nowhere. And of course, I'm driving the car and I'm freaking out a little bit. You know, I get nervous. You know, but you know, I'm driving and everything. And then maybe like 30 minutes out from Boyne, um, we look to our right and there's a literal car on fire because they crashed. And I was like, "That's a bad omen." Yeah, that's a bad omen. <laughs> and then imagine flying through that. And I'm like, "Eh." <laughs> I was in a w- I was in a plane with. Uh the interesting part is that Dr. J, of course, he upgrades into first class. So Dr. he's up J. front and, I, and I'm in the back. Yeah. And the thing gets struck by lightning right up where he's where he's sitting. Holy. I, 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 happen, to, I happen to be looking out the window when it struck. I'm going, holy, holy bleep. Yeah. yeah man. I mean, it, it Not struck, the game. <laughs> it struck the front right right up in first class. And, uh, and I guess they get jolted pretty good. Not a game. That's no, not a game. And, uh, and I'm sitting there going. I'm trying to recall whatever I've read is those lightning screw up a plane and Captain came out and said everybody's fine, you know. But I guess it does leave an exit hole, doesn't it, Kevin, or something? In, in, in a frame, no, no. And, uh, but it it was a shocker. I I, I just never thought. <laughs> but when they when they say you've ever been struck by lightning, then I haven't personally. But I was on a plane that did, and it was it was pretty weird. Well, I feel I feel like it's more likely to get struck by lightning in the rain in a metal tube than yeah, well, it is. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, been definitely. <laughs> so, Kevin, what uh, we're we're starting to see. I mean, I, I really wish uh, we have Mr. Uh, Professor Helsnar next week. We're trying to do multiple multiple professors. God, you know, I, I, I love what I do, and uh, and, and I'm, I'm doing pretty well for my clients here, considering what the market's doing. Um, I I would love to be two people right now and be a college professor and just have people observing what's going on. This is. This is one of the most fantastic changes in in, uh, in the economy since really 1973 when everything got deregulated, and, and really 1980 80 when the market turned the other way when interest rates started to go down. This is this is a fascinating study right here, and it, it's hard to keep all the pieces together. And I I just I'm, I'm stunned by uh, by listening to people who refuse to to really dig into the nuts and bolts because there is so much stuff going on you you can't just isolate here and hold on to one topic there's 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 hundreds of moving parts and it it's fascinating to me i just, i don't know I'm, I know i'm being nuts when i say that but you feel the same way well yeah you, in fact you can you can just get into you know in, into you know my one of my pieces of it and that's the uh you know supply networks and and you just look at that part of it and there are thousands of moving parts um, and, and how all of those pieces fit together and what are surviving companies doing successfully and what's knocking people out of business and so you have you have all of that then you get into you know a- everything about uh, about management and, uh, and and what's involved there because you know what we were talking about uh, before the break the uh, the idea that um, uh, you know that what you know what's going on in in the uh, market for labor, um, and you know what value can you have? Because you're right, you don't get to set the price at ten bucks just because uh, because people are going to say no way. You do have control over other aspects of work in addition to um, the dollar amount, and um, you know this is this is a longstanding conversation I have with. Uh, Many businesses, and you know, you can take it back to the days of uh, a lot more eleven and twelve dollar an hour jobs, and or you can you can make it today, where they will tell you, geez, you know, it's so hard to keep people. I, uh, it's it's um, 
they leave me for the next 25 cents an hour. And, uh, and I'm sitting there going, wait a minute, let's, let's do this math here. Let's, let's talk about it. Um, you're telling me that, um, that, you know, on a 40 hour work week, so that's about 10 bucks. And, uh, and, and so with the 10 bucks, and then you take out taxes, maybe it's seven after that. And so you're telling me that they really, really love to work for you. They love working at your place, but they're leaving you for an extra pack of smokes every week. Yeah, right. And, yeah, and, and I'm saying, uh-uh, that's not what's going on. They're quitting you. They're not quit. They're not leaving for the quarter. That's you know they're getting it. That's good for them. Uh, and for some people, they are very money motivated. And in these times, I'm sure it's you know there's a temptation to take any any increase you can get. But you know it's it, there's so much more to it than just bidding up the price. Um, there is the caliber of your place as a place to work. And there are some places that are absolutely great, and there are other places that completely suck. <laughs> and so that's a big factor in there as well. And so now when you, you know, let's go back to what you, your, your original point about so many moving parts in the economy, that's one of them, the state of management, the, st- the state of the art of management, and how that's affecting things. Uh, when we talk about, uh, what, what do we call it? The great, uh, the great, what do they call the, uh, um, the great resignation? The great resignation, yeah. Uh, you know, that, that's a big piece of it as well. Well, if you were, one of the things that, what was it aggravating at the time, Kevin? Because I'd much rather having a test with like multiple choice or something. They never did that anymore in Chicago. It was always something like, here's the, here's the situation, this moves, uh, take this on a stack and flow analysis through the through the whole economy, and you sit there and you go, "What the bleep?" <laughs> you know, and uh, and uh, you start doing it. But right now, what, what, like what Paul sent in, and I, I love the fact that, that Paul does this research for us. By the way, our listener. But now, if, if all of a sudden the people at Amazon, the the going rate for these people, let's say not twenty bucks now, but it goes from ten to seventeen. Okay, now some things have to change. I'm going to say that the you're not going to get there's there's way more labor intense on the delivery side of this that uh, than on the 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 purchasing and warehousing side of this. So I'm going to say that the probably the uh, uh, free delivery, if there is such a thing, I'll use the term included delivery, goes the way of the dodo bird. I'm going to say that the management upper management that's been really happy taking a real high percentage of all the income for a long time is going to say, hey buddy you're making the 10 million a year, guess what next year it's 6 and if you don't like it, leave because guess what, everybody else is getting more now and the top is in, you're going to see leases you're going to say the lease that the Amazon facility is paying some guy going you know what, some guy on a block is going to, he just built up a facility and he's He's going to give it to us for less. You're going to see changes all across the place, Kevin. Not just the four I named, but there'll be literally hundreds of them because of one shift. If labor, let's just say it goes up, I'm not going to say their share, but since I look at the history of these labor numbers for the last 20 years, I'm going to say labor, the low end of the labor group has has been the part that goes over the fence last. I mean, they... The median income has been was thirty one thousand twenty years ago, and now it's thirty seven. I'm going to where I'm going to I'm going to say upper management is going a lot faster than that. Leases have gone faster than that, but if you, you're not going to have the guy willing to spend to pay ten bucks an hour 
be responsible and deliver a package to your house. If that guy wants twenty, you all of a sudden got to pay three bucks to get the package, or get your your fat behind down on yourself and pick it up yourself. You're going to have to do that. I mean, I'm saying all this, all this stuff. It, it's just fascinating how one you can't just do one thing, right? And you said this, you just said it more eloquently than me, but it's isn't it? It's the truth, right? Well, it, it is, and. You know, I'm, I'm dying to see. We'll have a good case study because early, uh, you know, at this time next year, uh, Amazon's going to be opening up a um, uh, distribution center, and you know, it's 800,000 square feet, and it's expecting to uh, hire a thousand people. And this is in Elkhart County. I'm, I drive by it on the way to work every day, and uh, so I'm, I'm watching it get built. And right now, now I, this is. This situation is going to change as well, but right now the unemployment rate is one percent, and people are making you know the the average uh, factory and warehousing worker is making more than twenty bucks an hour. Um, and so, you know, how how do you hire people? You know, what, what are you going to pay to hire people when the unemployment rate is one percent? You know, yeah. <laughs> who are you going to get? Um, now, I I expect the RV industry with fuel price run up to slow down a lot. So. Um, so you know that'll be a source, but we you know we sort of have this baked in labor market now that is um, is going to be expecting a lot more than you know twelve, fifteen, whatever you know whatever has been a typical Amazon employee's uh, salary up until now. So I, I'm I'm kind of interested to see how it shakes out, and that's uh, I'll watch you know and I'll, I'll share on the show as we go. Well, you just look at the things we've talked about this week. If the people in your, now again, you're, you guys may be a little bit lower on the scale in terms of housing prices, but uh, the achievement of 2022, 20, 25 hours an hour, it's called 25, when it used to be 14, 15, 18, <clears throat> is a tremendous advance. Okay, I mean, there's no, no way you can, you can non-sugarcoat that because it's a good thing. In the meantime... The, uh, that, so 25, just always think roughly 2,000 hours in a year. It's actually 2,080, right, Kevin? So, so it's, if you're doing an eight hour day, which of course, eight hour day is a dodo bird too, but, uh, so 20 bucks is 40 grand, 25 is 50. You know, just, just keep thinking of it that way. Obviously 30 is 60. So if somebody's making 25, uh, 50 grand, I'm gonna say that right now, we'll, we'll, we'll skewer Nancy right to the wall on Monday, but right now, if you're talking about a five and a half percent, percent interest rate in a uh, in a house the median house is 400,000 which I don't think is going to last very long but right now it's 406 I'm going to say that a person needs 125 130 to carry that house if they have the down payment well right away Kevin that doesn't match and one of the reasons why I was doing some research on uh, all these salaries is a household income or individual income over 125 is like is less than 10, is what ten percent of the population, something like that. So I mean, you, so the, the, we we have things that are seriously out of whack here. And the question is, what's what's going to move? Uh, I doubt if the twenty bucks an hour or twenty five is going to go to forty bucks an hour easily. So my guess is the housing prices are the ones that are going to give. They're going to come down with interest rates where where, where, where they are or higher. So, you know, which, which is going to move easier? I'm, I'm thinking housing prices are going to move easier than everybody's salary. I could be wrong there. I mean, but I don't see, you know, 50 bucks an hour next year, do you? Uh, for this, nope. uh, So all this stuff has to adjust. That's what makes an economy. And if the interest rates go to 
eight or nine on mortgages, I uh, boy, you better hope you don't have to move and didn't just buy a house. I mean, it's it, it's a question. This is all a question of adjustment, right? And 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 what what the Fed's job is, and this is why I constantly rag on these people. The Fed's job is to stop these kinds of movements. Is to we have a business cycle. There's always going to be ups and downs in the market. The, the, the Fed's job is to make those ups and downs slightly less than they normally would be, because that's the best you can do. Right, Kevin? And, uh, right, the best they can do is just have a, uh, um, uh, a straight line with a um, uh, modest slope of the uh, money supply and just let the business cycle float around it. Well, that's right. I mean, it, but, if, but if you do that, I'm going to say right now, there starts and stops. If you were to take certainly the market over the last 45, 50 years, and other kinds of things, and put Fed policy on one chart and put the market on top of it, you're going to see virtually every outsized move in the market, up or down, is because of Fed policy. Or it's, it follows six months to a year, and then the timing gets different all the time, follows six months to a year after Fed policy. And, and you don't want that to happen. Okay, by the way, were you in, in Friedman's class? So he would say, keep the money supply growth slightly ahead of the... Uh, Economic, the real economic growth, and just do that. And don't yeah, because don't, what you want to do is you want to you want to have enough money to fuel growth, and not enough to uh, fuel anything else. You know all the bad stuff that comes with it. Well, and the same thing is uh, when I was in in uh, well, in after school, I was reading some stuff they sent off the University of Chicago. Somebody did a study. Remember, uh, it was more Kennedy's age, Kennedy's era with well, McNamara and all those guys. They thought that they were smart enough that they would do something they would call they would fine-tune the economy, and they could essentially minimize the business cycle. The idea was that if the business cycle, it's always going to run a little too hot, and then all of a sudden it comes back down, and you'll be a recession, it goes back up. That's just the way humans act. Um, It's more behavioral than it is economic. Well, actually, economics is pretty much behavioral. So their idea was if you could, when the economy was starting to, to, uh, to slow down, if you could quickly like lower taxes, you wouldn't have the, the trough like you normally would. And on the way up, uh, you would you would raise taxes or or cut government spending, and and you would you would get the top out of it as well. So if you're having this usual sine wave of the of the of the world, that you could cut the tops and bottoms off. Well, after a period of time, the thing they forgot was by the time you recognized that the that the economy was going south a little bit. And passed legislation that say that either uh, lower the taxes or or, sp- or raise the income. It was already turning around. So what you were doing is you were actually you were accelerating when it was going up, and you were breaking when it was going down. So you act- yeah, it's it's what in the um, uh, Deming quality management uh, uh, point of view is called tampering, and tampering yeah. makes it worse, not better. Because your timing, you you ended up having the wrong timing. You were accelerating when it was accelerating anyway. So they said, okay, that's not going to work. Now we started with this money supply stuff. We're, we're going to push money in and out, and we're going to cut the business cycle out. Well, that hasn't worked either. Yeah, work. And you have to acknowledge the fact that uh, it's, it's a system, and systems have variance. And the variance, you know, it, it's not always random, but it tends to be pretty random. Uh, and if you, react to, if you react to everything that is on what you consider to be the wrong side of the line, like you said, it's gonna it's gonna self correct because that's what variance is. You, and um, you might have a chance so. if if you pass the uh, the law was we're gonna tax. We don't have thirty seconds. You're gonna tax between 
30 and 32 percent, or 30 and 33 percent, and you had a, a, an economic czar that the minute he saw the the economy going into the dumper a little bit, would say, okay, we're lowering taxes from 33 to 31. But without without the six months or a year in Congress, if you if you were able to react that quickly, you might have a shot at it, Kevin. But I don't. Right, you'd have you'd have to build a tax structure that that is reactive immediately. Yeah. Um, and, and driven by the, um, what do I want to say, is driven by whatever the metrics are um, that uh, that are involved, and then will auto- automatically kick in. And of course, we'd never agree on that. Oh, we never agree. No, on that. we can't agree on on you know whether we should do a quarter point of sales tax somewhere. Well, no. SP futures down forty four, Nasdaq futures down thirty eight. Kevin, talk to you later in a week. Be right back, Mr. Russell Rhodes. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. (laughs) Yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body, too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Well, more stocks, stocks, stocks and jocks. Time, time out. Eliani on the board. SP futures now are down forty-five. It's getting ugly. As they futures down two forty-one. It's on top of uh, yesterday's uh, fiasco. Uh, do we have Mr. Russell? I'm here. So, uh, what do you think about, uh, Eliani going back and trying to recreate her, um, high school nerddom? And you got, you got your best professor, uh, pipes and cardigans. And the two of you go down to the crypto convention and take pictures and give interviews to the nerds that are down there. Oh, I, I'm all over that. <laughs> I can't imagine. Looking out the window, I'm all over that. <laughs> you, you guys, I tell you what, you guys yeah. can come back with, with five shows. <laughs> They'd be funny as hell. He's going to start managing me, right? Yeah, we just, you'd be all of a sudden, uh, 
Eliani would be in, uh, she'd start sorry, re- feature reports for like national newspapers and stuff, just going to these things and interviewing these people. Ugh. <laughs> I'd, better be, I'd better be as funny as hell. <clears throat> you'd be, uh, you, how many people do you think, uh, Russell, you'd run into that bought into crypto and are telling other, everybody else what a better, good buy it is, now you should buy it even higher than they bought it? Uh, and telling you how happy they are that they bought it to, to combat inflation. Yeah, yeah. It didn't work at all. No. Um, no, that's, it's, I, I loved back in uh, November, December, uh, you know, inflation is coming and crypto is going to be the best way to hedge yourself. Right. That no. didn't work. No. So now we've probably got a recession coming before the year's over with, with, with inflation. I'll bet you Bitcoin's the best thing to combat that. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, for for those that are just waking up, that was total sarcasm from both of us. Yes. Yeah. And before somebody, kind of like when I make a joke in class, and then somebody says, "But you said it's not funny anymore, and, Russell." You know, yeah. Everybody laughed after. Not funny if you yeah. explain the joke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that one is. Uh, I don't want to get calls from. Uh, we don't want to hear from somebody that suddenly bought Bitcoin because we said that. No, no, no. You have to be no. be fearful of the tweets because yeah. Twitter so. was bought by Elon Musk, apparently. So that's a thing. Said another thing with respect to crypto and whatever market environment it is. <laughs> is the true believers are going to say it's the perfect asset to own in all market environments. Yeah, well. Sure. Um, well, you, well, you just uh, said, Russell, in the, the little bit I know about the radio industry, it's or TV, it's not what you say, it's what people hear. Oh, yeah. And it's, and it's uh, somewhat unfortunate. I mean, I know that you know a lot of times, especially with my broken South Side English, <laughs> I say stuff and people hear something. Wait a minute, I didn't say that. <laughs> that's not what I meant at all. No. That's what I wanted to offer clarity on. Yeah. Um, Just to make sure. Uh, what... Uh, oh. I mean, I have uh, some very specific, and I have uh, Professor Hal Snar is going to come in next week. So we'll have dueling professors. Well, Kevin, I guess, is somewhat of a professor. Uh, well, he's, he's a teacher. He's a dean of uh, the one whole supply management thing at the, the was it? But Ivy Tech, Tech and yeah. Ivy Tech is a great school. I mean, I know it's not like a household name, but here in Indiana, uh, Ivy Tech is extremely well uh, respected as a uh, you know as an alternative to a four year college. Oh, any, I should it, it really was. It's a, and they're all over the place. It's a big deal here. And, and Indiana is like one of two states that have more manufacturing jobs than government jobs. All right, now you tell me. And, and I know Ivy Tech is, has something to do with that. What? Uh, what's the other state? I don't know. And before we get all excited about that, keep in mind that teachers are government all right. No, we're not talking about people in the state house that I can see out of my window. Are you, are you in your car or something? Or you're coming and going here. Oh, am I? I'm sorry. Yeah. Am I down here? That's better. Uh, okay. Um, I have a, a technical question for you that you can uh, maybe assign to your minions this week and somebody come up with an answer. Um, mm-hmm. I know there's the uh, the people. Now, I know you, you. I know you love what you're doing, but you'd quit that for this job. The job where you sit there and get paid all the time, and all you do is announce a recession or not a recession every twenty years or so, even though you get paid the whole time. Mm-hmm. What was that, that group that does that? It's on the one think tank. So there's like oh. a, there's like an official keeper of recessions, isn't there? There is, and I don't think it's the National Bureau of Economic Research. No, it's I think it's um, some private. Is that? 
I think it's some some group that has had that position for decades. Just, 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 just to declare the recession. Yes, there is, and I don't know who that is. Um, um, and usually it doesn't matter anyway because they officially don't announce it until um, at least six months after it started. Or when it's over. They'll say it officially yeah. ended like or, or, or it's behind it, or it's completely behind it. You know, if, it, if uh, we've got two quarters, two quarters where we contract and then we have a growth quarter, and we don't find out that we contracted in that second quarter until two or three months after the end of it, um, there's a whole lot of, yeah, that was a recession. It's over. Well, if they were to drop that yeah. job, such as mm-hmm. it is, where's they dropped all the money with it? I suppose we take a stab at it. Um, if they were to drop that job on the uh, Rus- Russell gang in school and maybe even the Stacks and Jacks gang, because we have opinions on everything, um, how the hell, given the the amount of money slash in the system, I wouldn't know where to start, Russell, is to, is to define nominal versus real right now, whether I would declare a recession or not. I, clearly, if, if you use a deflator of 2%, the economy is, 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 is busting its behind. If you use a deflator of 8%, we're in a serious recession. I, I think, you know, I, I don't see how, how you would even come to a number that anybody could agree on. I, I'm going to say the deflator right now should be 8 to 10, but that's just me. Oh, I think it should be about eight as well, which would result in a devastating GDP number. So that's not what we'll get. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, you know, I'm we're not going to get something that, that says that, you know, on a real basis we contracted by three or four percent in the first quarter of this year. But I bet you I could put some numbers together that say that we contracted three or four percent on a real basis this first quarter. Yeah, I. I mean, I think a lot of a lot of the times I try. I mean, I'm, again, it's what people hear when I when I totally uh, you know rag on like the CPI or something and, and point out what I consider to be huge flaws in there. I also mm-hmm. try and and say if this was my job, God, it would be a tough job because you you essentially are trying to match up um, prices from years ago with prices today, knowing that the basket's changed, and if you keep everything current. Um, the kind of lose your his, the historical basis of it. In other words, I wouldn't want the job necessarily, Russell. No rational. Yeah, but it doesn't mean no. that you can't. We can't. So, I mean, right now, if I'm in this this think tank of ten people that make a fortune to do nothing, I think uh, maybe that's a false accusation. I don't want that job either because I, I, uh, I mean, I was mentioned mentioning yesterday briefly. I don't know if you heard, but I was talking about uh, the book uh, Freedom from Fear, well, William Kennedy. And he uh-huh. described the 1920s as, I mean, everybody's view of the 1920s was the Roaring Twenties. How all of a sudden yeah, everybody, everybody, had cars, everybody had cars, the stock market was flying uh-huh. up, all this kind of stuff. And he, he drew a, a chapter uh, or two study of, wait a minute, this section of the population was in a deep depression. Certainly southern agriculture, all those kinds of, this other uh-huh. group was in a, a recession the whole, the whole decade. And I think if you, if you start breaking up right now, I think you and I, and we, of course, we would we would argue hand to hand over the percentages and the groups. But I would say we will come out with, since two thousand, a percentage of the of the population has been in a quote recession. Since two thousand and seven, mm-hmm. I'll bet we're going to find there's a group that's been in a quote depression. Uh, and I don't. It depends on your definitions. I don't. The idea that there's one number that's good for everybody, I, I think that's the part that should get debunked right out of the gate. 
Right. Oh, gosh. Well, you know, I mean, there isn't one number that, that's specific for everybody, but um, I've, I've done some digging into all the different lines, and they're just different lines of, of that they break out that impact different people differently. You know, um, education class is getting ready to hit me because um, I might end up with a kid that's a donor like you. Uh, that's not that's that's not cheap. No. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I'm about I'm about one year. Although my kids are in private high school now, so it's it's not like it's just going to be a, a bigger dollar amount for a while. But I'm about one year from uh, you know six or seven terrible years of paying for two different people to go to college. Well, I mean, and I'm going to say if you put 1974, so, the year I graduated, and tuition was uh-huh. let's say 3300. All right, you put that in a CPI calculator, which I will do here, but I'm, I'm going to estimate. We'll see how I do. I'm going to estimate that that number should be uh, 20000 right now, and the number is really for tuition, it's got to be sixty-three or four. Oh, yeah, I was, 60 was going to be the number that I was at. Um, I, I try not to, when, when, when she met with they, because they're both talking about colleges, even though one's a freshman, uh, when they're talking about colleges, I don't even look at tuition. But partially because the freshman, God knows what tuition is going to be in four years for her. Yeah, but I think I think it's the, yeah. I think it's sort of uh, as you say. I think the increases have started to settle down a, a little bit. I think uh, they, they have over the last two or three years just because of uh, you know COVID and universities have a really hard time bumping tuition when. Um, they downgraded the service that they've offered, and yeah, I know a lot of people like to like to learn online at their own pace. But in my mind, you, there's nothing more valuable than the discussions that happen in the classroom, and the discussions are better in the classroom too. Well, yeah, and uh, so, yeah, and so that even though, and where I'm going with that is, you know, they 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 will say um, that you know. Car prices really haven't gone up when they haven't gone up because we got all these really cool new features. Right. Yeah, by the way, um, by I the way. don't. I don't really think that. I think. Yeah, I think the experience you got, you know, at Notre Dame and University of Chicago is very comparable to the experience that students at those schools get now. Uh, I don't think it's. I don't think it's improved twentyfold. No. <laughs> well, I, hey, yeah. I'm pretty. If I, if I, if I if I'm a little more flexible. I'd be patting myself on the back here. Thirty-three hundred bucks in June of nineteen seventy-four, according to our CPI inflation calculator, is nineteen thousand one hundred seven now. Look at you on the math, and I, I get an A plus too because it is the National Bureau. Of, uh, <laughs> it is the NBER that declared the recession. And I'm going to tell you, the room and board I believe was twelve hundred bucks oh my God. for us, and uh, it's now sixty-eight, sixty-nine. That would be sixty-nine hundred now. I know Northwestern is like leading the pack at twelve five or something. Uh, that's a lot. So it's, it's essentially well, double. That's the room and board. I mean, they use yeah, the, yeah. the same rooms for God's sake. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that, it's the same. I, I visited the dining rooms a couple of weeks ago. It's the same dining rooms that you ate in, by the way. Yeah, but the the the, the, the chow is a lot different. You got the big room where they get the. The salad thing and this thing and the Mexican—we mm-hmm. didn't have any of that stuff. You had you had two choices a night, but it, you know it wasn't bad. It was like well, yeah, they've got an, they got an awesome student center that they didn't have when you were there, also. But all schools have done that. Yeah, well, actually, they had 
I tell you what, they had some of the best pool tables in there, though. They had some real original back when, uh, uh, I mean, I think a standard pool table now is what, four by eight? They used, mm-hmm. to, they used to be four and a half by nine, and they even had one in there that was five by ten. Boy, talk about having to have an eye of an eagle to sink a long shot in a five by ten table. Wow. Gee, well, I wouldn't even know. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I barely played pool on my phone. <laughs> I was actually pretty decent at it, but that was the size of a bar table. What are they, seven or six and a half? That's a lot I different. I mean, it, it is, uh, my, my assumption when you're telling me that they had a, a variety of pool tables at Notre Dame um, is that uh, people would don't, you know people would send their kids to Notre Dame and then they would downsize their house and they had no room for the damn thing anymore, so they'd send it to the school. Uh, probably. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm assuming you know, the the pool table from Uncle Joe's basement. Is uh, is somewhere on Notre Dame's campus now? Well, I mean, th- these things were were serious <laughs> big slate tables. I mean, they were probably yeah. they probably was a serious pool hall that just donated them all when they went out of business or something. That's that's a distinct possibility as well. Well, you know, if it's, somebody uh, gives you one of those, this is cool. And and I know from uh, um, I know from having gone to uh, Catholic high school that that they they take anything that anybody gives them and they find something to do with it. Well, the, the the thing about a pool table is if you go to somebody's big old house and they say, you can have the pool table downstairs, and you go down there and it's like, there's some brand that is, I mean, I always thought the one the brand was really good was Brunswick, right? But evidently there's a mm-hmm. brand way above that that I've never played on. Allegedly there's like five of them in the White House and five of them at Camp David, whatever this brand is, uh, or four of them in the White House, some number. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, in the Secret Service book, Eliani Closures, the Secret Service book. Uh, oh no, 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 no! Evidently, our, our former president was uh, um, having a having a little afternoon delight on one of the pool tables with Eleanor Mondale, as Hillary was looking for him and Monica was trying to get in the gate and they wouldn't let her in. <laughs> Man, that boy could juggle. He he could juggle. And I, which he could was, juggle. It's almost impressive. Like at that point, you just have to kind of yeah. be like. But which always oh, made no. me wonder what what if I mean, <laughs> you know his his wife is nasty son of a bitch right now on I on something government or something yeah think about how many people would would sign up for uh, bills being a smooth guy master yeah. class shooting pool get it yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well let's let's put it this way suppose Eliani Eliani uses her, her strings and gets us invited to the White House. And, uh, what strings? <laughs> and, uh, well, you gotta get some. So we invited the White House and, and Biden says, hey, how about going downstairs and shooting a game of pool? I'm, I'm gonna wonder which table, which table was it? <laughs> oh my god, oh I know. Yeah. <laughs> one of each, one of each. Um, you know, but, but, <laughs> while we've been, while we've been very, uh, uh, gregarious with you this morning, Russell, we do, we have an absolute job for you. What, Uh-oh. what is your, uh, feel and, uh, the, in, in, in elasticity, in, in elasticity of the of the oil business, they had some. I'm going to say sort of ditzy lady on this morning, but I, I was so proud of her though. Joe Joe Kernan proved her totally wrong by reading some congressional testimony. She never bl- never flinched. She was totally ragging at the uh, oil companies for not increasing production and uh, and using it for bonuses and to buy back stock and that all that money should be put in production. And if they did. We wouldn't have a gas shortage. So Joe starts reading her congressional testimony from the head of Chevron, who was just getting eviscerated by a congressman, not all of them, but some of them, 
about how come they're the only company that hasn't cut production back in light of the fact that nobody wants to use fossil fuels anymore and how they were bad citizens and blah, blah, blah. So he's reading this to her. She never even flinched. Oh, no, that, that doesn't make any difference. We, no, no. <laughs> the fact is, they. my question is, if all of a sudden um, you can go through as, as detailed as you want, we got 10 minutes uh, before a break, and all of a sudden there's a, there's a, there's a shortage somebody somewhere uh, whatever, an asteroid hits Zimbabwe, and we're down a million barrels a day. Well, in my view, that uh, means that prices are going to go up. Even though we, we used to, I used the number 20 million a day, and now we've only got 19, the prices are going to move way more than 5%. That's, that's the definition of something mm-hmm. that's inelastic. Now, my question to you is, if the prices go up 10, 15, 20%, I think, but I want your opinion, is that enough over what period of time for people to in- increase production enough to, to where we're back to 20, which we probably shouldn't need because the price is going to be higher, but say back to 19.9, but you and I don't want to go that level of detail in the air. But if I was doing this in your class, I, I'd have to say we're not going to go all the way back to 20 because the higher price is not going to be 20, right? It'll be 19-something. Um, anyway, what do you think the time frame is there in oil? Not, and leave out the part about the last thing I want to do is start paying more you know, throw four more rigs up there, and a year from now they tell me we don't need them because we don't want oil anymore. So, what what is your view of the of the increased production of in normal times? What would be the timing? In our times, does anybody even want to do it? What's your view on all that? Now, there's a. I don't think in our times anybody wants to do it, and and you said I wasn't allowed to say what you just said, but I I think that's a big part of it. Is why in the and and it goes beyond the oil market. Um, why in the world would you want to? Start producing anything if 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 you believe it's not going to be economically viable in six months or a year. And and my my big go to on this one is they asked a guy in Texas who used to make the the mask that we all had to wear for a while um, why he didn't ramp production back up. And he said, well, it costs money to ramp back up, and you know, in three months uh, when China gets their production ramped back up. Um, I, you know, I, I won't be able to compete anymore, so I'm not going to do it. Well, so I'm not going to do something that loses money uh, because, you know, I, I, I hate to say, I'm sure he didn't think of, I'm not going to do something that loses money for the greater good, uh, but it's more of why should I go through all of that when it's just going to be a money-losing prospect? And that's, I think that's what the oil companies look at. Well, um, uh, we're, still in, um, we're still in sort of backwardation where... If you try to lock in future oil, future high oil prices, you're you're not locking in a hundred plus. You're locking in something that's maybe ten or twenty dollars lower. Yeah, yeah. So even if you could lock, so and, and this is, I am going somewhere with that one for my answer. Since you said I couldn't answer the way I wanted to, no, no I, um, I think I, I think it's more of um, when is the longer end of the curve sustaining a higher price level. Where the producers can at least guarantee what they're going to guarantee profitability over the next year or two in order to ramp up production. If that were to happen, then you know it, I, I think it has more to do with the future price, the farther out future price, right, than the current spot price. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if, if yeah. you're going to, well, I'm going to say that uh, if it's a, a five to ten percent ramp up, and then you get all the politics out of it, and the price. Is up fifteen twenty percent, so it, it it would behoove somebody to do it, and it's going to stay there for a mm-hmm. while. I'm going to say it's 
maybe four, five, six months that we could, we can, we can, we can juggle it up a little bit. Not we, worldwide. I mean, when we say this, it sounds like we're being, we're being goofy here, but we're not. Because when you look at the, when they say what the, the world's oil reserves are, correct me if I'm wrong, Russell, is the definition of that stuff that can be brought out of the ground today at today's market price, right? So the minute you up the price, your reserves magically go up, correct? Yeah, we got, we got, we got more dollar worth of oil. Yeah. So, I mean, if, if, if you, more, if you drive more barrels, but more dollar worth. And then to take it down to the simplest, <laughs> crummiest oil well, did you ever drive, uh, you guys ever drive like out skiing or out west on I-80? Uh, it's, first of all, it's a god awful ride, but through Nebraska. But if you look out the window of the car, cause you got nothing else to do, um, you'll see every couple of miles, somebody with those little bump of a bump of the little thingies where the, it almost looks like the cartoon where the pump where the pump goes down, the pump goes up. Yeah. And uh yeah. these are old oil wells from God knows what, the twenties and thirties to where uh there's probably like almost nothing left. When I say almost, what do you figure they get out of those things? Like a couple of barrels a day with that little pump just pumping away? Oh I'm sure I'm sure more than a couple of barrels a day, but not not a whole ton. But if you wanted to yeah, and, if all of a sudden oil, right, it, odds are it, it, and I know exactly what you're yeah, I'm just envisioning one of these because I stayed in a crappy hotel once and I drove around back of the motel, and there was one of those things like 20 yards behind my door. <laughs> and then there it was, didn't make any noise. I was like, oh, my no, God, they're, they're, so surreal. It was, it was so long ago, I didn't have a cell phone to take a picture. Yeah, but that but, makes um, something out of a movie. I had the same thought about that. I'm like, yeah, this farmer guy's probably, you know, it's pulling that out, and it's sending it somewhere, and, you know, maybe he's getting five barrels a day out because um, it was such a small contraption. But I think as long as it pays for itself, they keep the thing running. If one of those things break, they probably go, well, that was a nice revenue stream, but I'm not investing in keeping that going. I'll bet they go out there and, and lube, it, lube it up once a month. <laughs> That's they, about they hit it with a giant wrench and it keeps going? Yeah. But but yeah. my point is, <laughs> if, if all of a sudden tomorrow oil was $300 a barrel and it was going to stick there forever, I guarantee you it's going to be the, the Russell Eliani and Chief Oil group that's going to run out there, and for three hundred grand, I bet we can we can start getting ten barrels a day out of that old that old well instead of five. Mm-hmm. You know, or fifteen or something. We start pouring water in one end of it. Now, of course, you need the water to do that. Uh, all of a sudden, we become yeah, we start a mini frack. But I'm saying there there's oil there that that it would be economically feasible to get out of there. If, if oil was five hundred dollars a barrel, I mean, you'd put a new rig there probably, right? Oh gosh, yeah. Uh, so. This is all, but then again, it comes down to you, you don't for this Congress to turn around and start bitching at people for not making enough oil. I I would love that talent. That that I just that is the um, I can't believe. And, and what blows me away is I can't believe believe people buy it. You know I, what I mean? These, I mean, I I had a question. For, and, and again, these are 19 or 20 year olds, but I had, uh, we're, we're doing macro, we're doing macro investing this, this week and last week. And one of my questions was, um, you know, describe, uh, you know, describe demand driven inflation, describe supply driven inflation, and tell me which one you think we're in right now and why. And, uh, I mean, I got 80% of them were, it's supply oriented because, um, you know, the, because companies aren't producing as much as they could. What if I were to turn in a paper was a one-liner like uh, Einstein, although I'm not comparing myself, 
Uh, inflation is always and every time a monetary phenomenon. Do I get an A or an F? Uh, I, I, I did talk about how the monetary part can spur each, you know, and it's a completely, and, and that's truly the core. That there's a whole lot more money out there than, and, and, you know, even if it's the same amount of stuff to chase around, it's not doing you a whole lot of good having all that extra money because you're buying you're buying less with that extra money than you could with less money, and it's going to get worse. Well, uh, it's just it's just yeah. going to it just I don't I, I don't see the the economic mess that I think we're in. Like we always used to talk about uh, new products, and now we were in the first or second inning of the uptake on new products when I was at SIBO. <clears throat> I think we're in the first or second inning of um, a really nasty combination of inflation and and slowing or negative economic growth. Well, I, I think what's going to cause that even worse, Russell, and then we'll, we'll head to break on this sour note, what's going to cause that even worse is the amount of money in the system is uh, obfuscating, it's, it's, it's hiding yeah. the, the, the lack of growth or, or even the negative growth. It, you, you make it sound like... Like me buying a being a stooge and buying the bulbs for eight bucks at Home Depot, okay, that should have cost a buck. Mm-hmm. The eight bucks goes into the system, but it, what I bought was not worth eight bucks. Uh, you know, so you have to be careful that just because you have an inflated, I mean, you have look at look at what the hospitals hospital areas have inflated on everything in the last twenty years. You haven't, you haven't gained there. You've gained some quality, but mm-hmm. you you haven't gained. I mean, an appendectomy isn't much different now than it was twenty years ago, and it's got to be what five times expensive. Oh, I'm sure. So I mean, what, so what have you gained there? Um, you know, so uh, I mean, that's kind of my my theme with you this morning is how how do you even wander through these numbers when when people are changing the numbers to make them look a certain way? How do you even know where the hell you're at? I mean, that's I mean, you I totally can. I listened to an economist on podcast when I was driving down here over the weekend, and um, he was he was much more he was much uglier about uh, measures of inflation than you and I have ever been. Um, well, let's uh, talk about let's, let's talk about that after the break. Is that possible? Well, let's talk about that after the break. I want to see maybe okay. maybe he's right. I hope he isn't. SP futures down forty, Nasdaq futures down two twenty three. Be right back, stocks and jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. 
We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it is time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Well, we're back, stocks and jocks. I'm Tom O. Eliani on the board. SP futures down 4150. It's relentless here. We're not, we're not bouncing at all. As the futures down 226, that's one and a half percent. That's after being down two and a half yesterday. So that's a that's a hell of a move in two days, four percent. Dow futures down 232, and they're not as bad. They're only 0.67. Uh, individual stocks, Microsoft's leading the charge down, uh, down 575, and we've got Disney down a buck and a half, and uh, Goldman Sachs down 220. They're all down. Well, I got Merck up 16 cents, and I got Chevron up buck 34 because oil prices are up a little bit. Uh, over in Asia. Nikkei down 437, it's 1.6%. Shanghai reopening after being closed at least since last week. Uh, unchanged actually. A point up 70 cents, so call that flat. Hang Seng down 421, that's 1.9%. Over in Europe, we've got sell-offs here as well. DAX down 280, it's 2%. FTSE down 31, only 0.4%. Kek around down 137, that's over 2% too. They were both like 1.8 an hour ago, now they're 2%, so I guess it's worth something there as well. Uh, bonds up seven basis points, 262. That's the highest we've seen in like a decade, or not maybe not a decade, but pretty damn close. Uh, bond up, up five basis points to 0.66. Japan up two, three, uh, up two basis points to 0.23. Uh, UK up seven to 1.72. So rates up across the board. Yesterday Dow was down 280, S&P down 57, which is 1.3%, but NASDAQ was a big one, down 328, 2.2, and they were up a bunch on Monday, so uh, as, as the week goes, I say we're probably all down like one and a half since, uh, maybe Friday night. So not near as bad because we were up Monday. Uh, oil up dollar 31 to 103.27. Brent up a dollar four, 107.68. NASDAQ up 31 cents, uh, 630. NASDAQ. Natural gas up 31 cents, 634. Arbob up two cents, 319. We've got gold now up to 20, 19.29. Silver down 23 cents, 24.30. Copper down three cents, 475. And we've got uh, Bitcoin down 1100 bucks to 44812 uh, 812 That's uh, 
as the Bitcoin convention starts in Miami, and I'd be dying to be there just to, just to check out the crowd. Eliani, what do you got for us, Trevi Willer Sports? Thanks so much, Chief. Good morning, everyone. Currently 7.35 a.m. on April 6th. Uh, let's start with sports. A uh, quick note, just the NBA, uh, they lost, um, the Bulls lost to the Bucks 106 to 127, and the Suns beat the Lakers 121 to 110. Looking at weather this morning in Chicago, uh, currently 50 degrees, raining all day long, with a high of 56 and a low of 39, and Phoenix incredibly sunny, sitting at 67 with a high of 94 and a low of 64. Absolute mayhem on the roads this morning, so let's get into it. We have traffic eastbound on 290 between Route 83 all the way to downtown, approaching the 290 I-94 construction intersect. Uh, we have traffic westbound on 290, um, intermittent traffic rather, between California and 17th Street and between Route 83 and Beasterfield. We have traffic northbound on 294 between West 127th and the Route 20 ramp. We have traffic southbound on 294 between the Route 12 ramp and 127th Street. Uh, we have traffic northbound on 355 between North Avenue and the 290 East ramp. Um, oh, I did forget to report an accident. Sorry, and southbound on 294 between 111th uh, between Oak Park and Natchez. Uh, we have traffic northbound on 55 uh, between U.S. Route 30 and the 90 West Ram. Traffic southbound on 55 between South Damon and County Lyon Road. Traffic eastbound on I-90 between Lee Street and Lawrence. Traffic westbound on I-90 between Lawrence and Cumberland. Uh, we have traffic eastbound on 94 between Lake and Canal Port. Uh, we have traffic northbound on 57 between Route 83 and the 94 East Ram. Traffic northbound on Lakeshore between East 31st Street and East Grand, an accident, an accident to report uh, at Keeler. Uh, we have traffic southbound on Lakeshore between the uh, between East Grand and East McFetteridge. Uh, and finally, with the bridge maintenance notice, uh, there will be testing and maintenance of the bridge over the Chicago River, which is scheduled to close Washington from Canal Port to Wacker from 9.30 a.m. until 2.30 p.m. today. Whew, and that is everything for you, Chief. Back to you. So let's say... God, did everybody forget how to drive? That's what I was saying, it's, man. It's getting bad. So yeah, I mean, oh my gosh. <laughs> right. So, so, so I, I couldn't help but add in on that. It's it's a lot. That's a hell of a lot of a lot of a lot. Yeah. So Eliani yeah, walks I mean, into that the, sounds like there's like a massive snowstorm up there. I know. I was talking to so uh, Tom's brother's next to me, and he was like, "He's like, I feel like everyone's getting into accidents because you've come back." And I'm like, "Maybe Chicago just feels abandoned." And this is payback. Maybe you do just do a better job and the other guys ignore him. Uh, it's also a thing. <laughs> so Eliani goes over to the Washington Street Bridge. They boost her in there. She looks at the on button. She hits the on button or up button. All of a sudden, the bridge, it don't work. So, it don't work no so more. So who do you call? There's gotta, Ghostbusters. There's got to be a few, there's a few bridge mechanics still hanging around somewhere. There probably are. And, uh, hmm. <laughs> all right, Russell, I'm going to give you a, a brief. Well, probably not. You know, yeah, right. I'm going to give you a brief yeah. Cliff Notes version of where I think we are for real inflation uh, and where it's headed. Uh, I'll try and be Cliff Notes about it because I got my my little post-it note here with all my money supply numbers on it. And you and you tell me where you think I'm wrong and where the guy you listen to thinks I'm wrong because I'm not as as harsh as he is. Um, I've got from February 2012 to February 2020. Uh, the money supply was up an average of seven point three percent a year, and pretty much a no growth era. Say say one per two percent. So they were saying our inflation was one percent. I think it was really five, uh, at least, and most of it in the healthcare, a lot of it in schools, 
um, you know, but but it was there. It was just being hidden. Uh, from uh, February of 2020 to August 2021, we increased at a uh, 22.9% annual rate, which is really something for 18 months. And since yeah. then, it's, since then it's dropped, dropped down last six months to about 11.5%, and then 15.4% two months ago, then 13, and now we're down to 5 uh, last month, which I think... They're more going to make. Five is higher than it should be. Right, but they're going to more going to make up for that this month, as they've kicked fifty billion into the balance sheet. So, I'm saying we're going to be back up to ten. So, if I just did this strictly off, off uh, classic monetary theory, I'm going to say we really were five percent all those years. They said it was one percent. Since uh, February of 2020, we've been pushing because of the huge. Uh, we've been pushing somewhere in the fifteen. 14 to 15 range, but because we've cut back some, we're probably back down into the uh, 11, 12 range, and at the end of the year, it'll be something like 9 or 10. But right now, we haven't even seen the push-through of housing because our idiots at the CPI still have housing up like 4% last year when we know it was up 12 to 15. So that somehow has to work its way through. So I'm going to say right now our number going forward, if, if I had a pick at the end of the year, I'd say it will be nine. Right now, I say it's eleven. And four months ago, I would say it was fifteen. Where do you and this other dude disagree with me? So you said nine, eleven, and fifteen. Are you saying that's what the real inflation number should yeah. be? Yeah. Well, I mean, going forward, I think by the end of the year we'll be down to eleven because we actually are not, not increasing the money supply as much as we did a year and a half, two years ago, and we're actually coming down a little bit. But that takes a while to work its way through, 6 to 12 months, depending on the professor you talk to. So I'm saying we're at least 10 all this year, and we probably have been closer to 13, 14 in the last quarter. Which, which yeah, still I, tried, I, I tried to dig the guy's name out, and I couldn't find it, but he, he said if, uh, and he was really, he, he, I, I gotta find this. I, I gotta find it and send it to you so you can listen to it. Uh, but his opinion was, uh, the government's doing this on purpose, so that it looks like we're growing when we're not. And he, he, he I mean, he was big time. Uh, this is a conspiracy to make things look better than they are. Um, and, which I, I think both of us think there's probably a little bit of that. That you know, there are lifelong bureaucrats that would rather the guy that's in the White House stay in the White House uh, than the guy that was in there before come back. So they're probably and and on the other side, there was there were grumblings that. Uh, one of the economic numbers we got right before uh, the Obama got reelected. Uh, it, it was like an employment number that was really good for September, which was reported in early October. And then when they revised it after the election, it really wasn't all that good. Uh, um, it wouldn't surprise and, me. And he feels like they did that when they rebalance it, they're not rebalancing it to be grounded, rooted in reality. They rebalance it so that they can so that we can continue to see what they would consider a reasonable number that doesn't upset people. But they're saying all of that, and they're throwing numbers at us. The problem is the average person, they don't look at that number. They see the, you know, I, I, I saw on my drive back last week, I saw, you know, we all see the gas number. That's the one that we pay attention to. Uh, the people that do the grocery shopping in the household, they see the milk number. Oh, yeah. That one goes up and down an awful lot. That's the one that's kind of in their face from day to, from week to week. Or egg. Uh, but on, on my drive home, I actually saw gas jump five cents. 
while I was staring at a sign. <laughs> it went from five sixteen to five twenty-one. See now you can do that. You don't have to. You don't have to have the guy go up the ladder anymore. You just do it electronically. Remember, you have to have the guy up there. Surprise! Hey, if you all change the numbers. Hey, yeah, uh, uh, I've, I've been. I've actually been that guy. Uh, without being too much, you, you brought it up. You brought it up. So I'm going to take you a little further because I know you're a you're a guy that has to be nicer than me. I'm going to take you a little further. I'm going to say the single biggest beneficiary of inflation is the government. Oh yeah, yeah. It's how it, and and I uh, I got a, we, we were talking about budget deficits as well. And I said there's two ways to get out of a budget deficit, and one is uh, or to make it more reasonable, you inflate your way out of it. Well, sure. The the 70s were good for inflating our way out of the out of the deficit. Well, you, if you really want to solve if you really want to solve the deficit, you you take uh, you know. The whole deficit, you issue a bunch of 100-year bonds, and you start over and you try to work with a balanced government uh, budget every year. That, and, and that way you let, time, you, know, you let time value kind of take care of what we owe right now. Yeah, except, and the government's the only entity that could really put paper like that out there. Yeah, except that you uh, use, even you, you 1% or, you know, uh, guys... Even used don't have thirty trillion dollars to buy up. Oh, I know, I know. I mean, good lord! I mean, but I, I know, on a very basic uh, level, Russell, and sometimes I don't want you as a professor or me as you know somebody on the air and uh, you. And, and whatever a money manager. I don't want either one of us to ever. I don't think we have to worry about this. We never want to walk away from the individual transaction because once you once you you know you're like this is like the idiots who say well I just bought bought the market you didn't buy the market you bought stock from an individual person who may have been smarter than you that day when he sold he was a smart one and you were the dummy buying it or the other way around no we, we you and I I think are probably never going to leave that base point of view but right now your government people are sending them a billion dollar check to buy a one-year T-bill, and they're paying them 1%, and at the end of the year, they're going to give them the value of $900, billion or 900 million back. They're going to yeah, steal... They're, you're, you're, the, real rate of, the real rate of interest... It, heck, if you, the, the, the example that I use, and it's not even the government, uh, is um, at the... Let's just say at the end of 2020, you bought a certificate of deposit for one year that gave you 3 or 4%, which is probably generous. And you were stuck with that through all of 2021. Well, you know, inflation, and I'm, I'm going to be generous here and say inflation, let's just say it averaged 5%, which that is a really low number. You still lost purchasing right, power. Right, right. And it's really eight or, and, and according to this government statistics, it's eight or nine. Uh, in reality, reality, it's probably more like 10 to 15. Well, did you listen to, uh, I don't listen to him that much. I just happened to listen to him yesterday. Uh, Cooperman was on. You know, the, the the older dude, they actually tried to they tried to put him in jail and for a while, and he, he he fought it and got out. Good for him. Uh, the uh, he, he said one of the one one point he said to one of the guys, guys, look, we're talking about a half of one percent. Inflation's ten. He goes, the last time inflation was seven, the rates were like. He goes, we've ne- we've never had rates below this much below the inflation rate. He goes, usually one or two percent's the max. We have inflation yeah. rate of six. The you know the, the rates five because the idea that you're you're ten percent below the inflation because 
this isn't a new world. He goes, this is insanity. <laughs> I mean, I, so so where did where if you could remember anything, where did this guy say? Did he? What do you think it was? Twenty or eighteen or what? No, he said fifteen. I think fifteen it, was the number. That fifteen was his number. I think it was fifteen yeah. in uh, December, January. I think it's come down from that. Because housing prices. I, I see that. That's where we differ. I think we're we're looking. At, well, I mean, maybe the 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 non-reported. If you and I kept up with a basket of goods number, would be fifteen. Um, but I, I think that you know the reported number right now is around eight. Uh, I, I I think we're going to see double digits, like for a well, couple of back-to-back months. Oh, I, I, I'm with and, you. On and that. Not next month. I think it. I think this is going to stretch out a lot longer. And at the same time, um, do you know the GDP estimates for the first quarter have dropped from 4% to 2%? And that's with some funky deflator that's probably wrong. Yeah, and, and but, I mean, we're, I, it just appears to me that we are in an unavoidable combination of inflation and negative growth. Stagflation. It's probably going to hit us for, at the latest, the second half of this year. Well, the, the thing that is, uh, I'm keeping slightly. Uh, you and I are, are talking about two different levels of the chessboard here a little bit. Mm. Somehow or another, Russell, I'm going to ask you this because I don't know the answer, but I went through it. I think I went through it in the 70s and 80s. Somehow, I'm, I'm going to assume <laughs> in those days that the, the CPI numbers were straighter than they are now. But why I'm doing that, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm going to assume they are. For some reason, I, I, I think that even if those guys are the straightest people on earth and they want to tell us the truth, like if the if the housing numbers and stuff, they did their best to make sure they actually were accurate in the hospitalization numbers and everything. For some reason, and I don't know why, there appears to be about a six-month lag in those numbers anyway, maybe more, maybe mm-hmm. almost a year. And I, and I really do think that the last time it happened, back in the 80s with the Volcker errors, I think there was a big mistake on both ends, looking back at it. I would love to have your position and be able to put some people on the job and do some research on this. I think that when uh, the inflation started in the late 60s, 70s, I think we both agreed that it started long before it was recognized. Yeah. And uh, But I also think it was the same way on the tail end. I mean, John and I were living in the house down south, and we'd say, Janet, I don't see, and he'd say to me, Chief, I don't see any... I don't gas hasn't gone up in a while, for, and yet the numbers were still piling through. You know, six percent, eight percent, nine percent, and Volker still had his foot right on everybody's throat. And uh, mm-hmm. I don't think he needed to, Russell. I, th- I think think he overshot. I think he totally overshot it to the point where I don't. I think he could have saved half the savings and loans, and a lot of our mortgage problems wouldn't be the problems we have. And I often wonder now that I'm getting older and cynical. Did he do it on purpose? Did the banks tell him we want these guys out of business? We want that business. I mean, I I think he could have he could have cut back a year before he did, and we would have landed right in the same place. And and what and so what if the inflation was one percent? It was up a little higher, a little longer on the way down, and it was a little more gradual. Didn't make it, it wouldn't have made any difference. Except he would have think he would have saved some, if not some industries, he surely would have saved some places. I don't think he had to do that. And, uh, and I don't know how much, I don't, I'm not saying Volker was a bad man or anything. I think that he trusted him. I'm just going to say, if there was, if there was a God somewhere, or a God of economics, I think that these numbers are lagging, and I don't know why. Even if you're legit, I think they're lagging. 
Uh, it, ju- it could be in the measure, you know, that, that they're just behind a little bit on, on the numbers that they get. Uh, or it just takes, you know, it, 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 energy has often been, you, you mentioned gas not going up, but Volcker says we've still got inflation. Uh, energy is usually the first thing that spikes before, and then it works its way through the system. So that might be what you were seeing right there. Well, I mean, right now, uh, from what, and I'm going to say, as the numbers pile out, you are uh-huh. gonna be, you are going to be a hundred percent accurate. That we're going to see these numbers continuing to increase, right? Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is, if I was going to be in real time, I'm going to say that if you if you talk to Audrey on housing prices, talk to some of the guys that, are, that I do work with in Carolina and stuff, and what's happening down there in housing prices, you look at gas prices in the last couple of weeks. I'm going to say we tapped out in uh, December, January, maybe early February. And right now we're 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 not near as bad as we were then. I don't I don't think housing prices are going to go up this month like they did three months ago, and I don't think gas is going to go up this month. I bet it's even down a little this month, from four thirty to four twenty, which is still ridiculously high. But I think it's yeah. you know what I'm saying. I'm saying I I think that I'm you're if you look at the numbers, you're going to be three months behind my opinion. Now, as to which one's right or not, I don't know. I think we've already peaked in some of this stuff. I don't think we have. I really don't. I think because you're still seeing labor shortages in certain areas, especially um, to hire um, you know, factory-type workers or service-type workers. So uh, they're going to have to keep paying up more and more for that. I, I believe we still have pent-up demand where people haven't done everything that they wanted to do uh, during the pandemic. You know, I, the ridiculous amount of people that, that lived out, in, lived out in my neighborhood in the Chicago area, um, all went, you know, all went on pretty nice spring break vacations, except for me, because yeah. my spring break was, was the same as my family's. Um, and so many people were, were down there and stuff. You know, you know airlines like to overbook. Uh, there are people that, spring break ended last Friday, there are people that still haven't gotten home yet. Oh, yeah. Because, uh, because the airlines overbooked and then they had a small hitch. But I, I, you know, we in the first half hour I mentioned we were talking about the supply versus the demand, you know, inflation thing. And most of my students think it's supply. I and personally, I think it's both. And I gave extra points to the ones that said it. They thought it was both. Um, I think there's a lot of pent up demand out there for lots of stuff. Well, there's a and and that's what's going to be. That's the thing that I think is going to maintain inflation through probably into the fall. I would have. I'm, I'm with you, but th- now we're now I think we're somewhat splitting hairs here again. This is my <laughs> discussion with my attorney buddies last night because his family he's got three daughters that uh, you know nice married married well, and they're all three different places. You know, Mexico ski ski resort someplace. I'm, I'm, I think there's a there's a huge schism in where the top ten percent people spent their spring break versus the rest. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're right. The people that uh, have, have done well with this and have uh, maybe with, maybe had some PPP help, maybe had something, something. There's mm-hmm. massive pockets of money uh, in, in areas. I mean, I, I, I'm gonna, I don't know how you could even do this. I'm going to say this COVID thing did more to separate the haves and the have-nots than virtually anything we've ever done. The way the money was um, parceled, was parceled out. Yeah, I, you, and, and you're you know you're you're kind of dividing it between um, wealthy and non-wealthy folks with respect to the pent-up demand. Um, I, I think it's I, I think it stretches across a spectrum of folks. 
Well, I mean, where, um, I'm going to ask you this. Where, uh, where is apparently, I mean, apparently, I mean, hell, they had to shut down Miami because spring break got so out of control yeah. this, this last time around. Well, how, how does, in a, in, a, in a year and a half, too, when nobody flew, how the hell does JetBlue find $3.6 billion to try and buy Spirit? How much money do they uh, friggin' give these guys? Uh, there's a whole bunch of money floating around. We know that. But how much money did the government give these airlines? They never missed a paycheck, for God's sake. I know. I know. Well, yeah, well, the biggest loser in that was Buffett. He sold all the airlines almost at the bottom. Yeah. What, uh, hey, here's a question for you. I'm sort of on the same note. Uh, you know, I look at this crazy debtclock.org. Uh, there's one thing here about savings per family, and it's gotta be a sloppy number, but, but it's a number, it's a number, right? Uh, and it's cash savings per family. Now it's a, it's a median, it's, it's not, I mean, it's a mean, it's not a median. This number for years before COVID was like about 8,000 bucks. It was pretty damn low considering the, uh, uh, total debt per citizen is 68 grand and the savings per family is, it was was like eight grand. I mean, it's. I mean, you're going to sit there as a as a professor and go, "Wow, there's a match, right?" Uh, uh, after everybody sent out all the checks and all the PPP stuff flew out, this savings per family number ballooned for a brief period of time, Russell, over fifty thousand. Yeah. But now every week it goes down, and it's down now to fourteen mm-hmm. one. So my question to you is: This pent up demand. Are people spending all this dough? I mean, are they? Are they, are they oh yeah. I mean, are, are they going to be right back down to eight or what? No, I think I. I yeah, they are, and um, we're starting to see not only that, but we're starting to put more stuff on credit cards once again. Uh, so what, what we're talking about is most definitely reversed itself. Um, but another here's another reason that I think um, inflation is going to stick with us throughout the year. If if there's something you like, there's, there's certain thing. I'm like a weird picky eater type person, and there's these certain kind of protein bars that I like, and you couldn't even get them from Amazon recently. But uh, my wife, God love her, found some store that had that had them in stock, and she bought all ten boxes. There's true. I think you're, you're going to see. I, I think that's one of the things that's going to maintain inflation is you're going to see people. Um, you know, if they can get something, they're just going to buy it. You know, it's, well, yeah. it's, it's available right now. Well, I'm going to start hoarding bulbs yeah. after my episode at Home Depot. I mean, I've got to buy. I got to buy a car for a kid in about four and a half months because I promised I would do that for his 16th birthday. If I find one right now that I, you know, that that matches up, even though she can't drive it, I'm probably going to go ahead and buy it. Probably not a bad idea. I, I truly believe it's going to be 10, 10, 15 more percent more expensive at the end of the summer. Wow, uh, the did you, did you see on uh, the NCAA? I, I thought that when the uh, Jeep, <laughs> the Grand Wagoneer, went over a hundred mm-hmm. hundred grand a car, I I thought that that would be something they'd want to keep a secret. <laughs> it was it was right on the ad at an NCAA, hundred grand for a friggin' Jeep. Oh my gosh! I <laughs> yeah, I I car price car prices just blow me away. Yeah, I mean it's. <laughs> I don't even. I, I just I just never imagined spending a hundred thousand dollars on a car. They uh, they have to wonder why they didn't. I mean, do my that. first my first car was new and it was fifty nine ninety five. Well, the uh, we had maybe thirty seconds. My they, first new car. they had this big uh, uh, basketball shindig for for some disease back at the Chicago Stadium, so I sponsored a team. Right, well, I ended up playing mm-hmm. all day because one of the guys on my team got hurt, and I was out of shape and was past my basketball time. But I 
My first game was at 8 o'clock. My last game was at 5 o'clock. This was in the old stadium, and I was dying. Anyway, the BMW guys, back when people on the floor had money, they showed up with about 10 BMWs. And I walk yeah. out at the first game, and I'm all sweaty. I goes, hey, getting this BMW. I said, well, the car was 70 grand. Of course, 15 of it was a uh, some kind of a, an excess price tax. What was the tax they had in those days? Where it was a, a luxury tax. Luxury tax. And the, yeah. the, the guy goes, uh, it's nice. I go, this is America. Nobody sells a car for 73 grand. It isn't nice. I said, this 15 grand luxury tax is more than I've paid for every car I've ever owned. <laughs> not, not a cars or a hundo, right? And it's a Jeep. It's not even a BMW for God's sake. Russell, take care of yourself. Uh, fun to have you as usual. Still have to come to one of your classes one of these days. Sit in the back row. I promise not to raise my hand. SP Futures down 41. NASDAQ Futures down 225. Eliani, good job. Uh, back tomorrow, Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. Yeah, let's cut to the chase, okay? What are you guys selling?